starting a brand new series today that uh, we are excited about and challenged with, frankly, but a subject that we feel like really demands attention uh, everywhere, but particularly in the church today. Uh, if the church doesn't talk about this, uh, somebody's going to, and so why not? We're talking about catastrophic relationships. Now, I understand that we talked for a month in January about relationships, right? If you were here, we talked about being a neighbor and how we must be a neighbor, and uh, you shared how you could be a neighbor. We're going to talk about that at the end of the service a little bit. But today, we're talking about <clears throat> a different kind of relationships. We're talking about romantic relationships. After all, it's, it's February. February is that month, right? Valentine's. I'm trying to drop the guys a hint here. Remember the chocolate roses. You know, it's that month of Hallmark movies. Although, anymore, every month is Hallmark movies. Have, have y'all noticed that? I mean, I saw one the other night that, that is a Christmas movie, and I thought, Christmas is done, you know? But anyway, this is the month, right? February. So what better time to talk about relationships? Now, the reason we want to talk about relationships, and particularly romantic relationships, is because many of those relationships end up being catastrophic. Now, it's not to say that every relationship does or is catastrophic. It doesn't mean that every relationship becomes a catastrophe by any stretch. But oftentimes, we see in our world today, the number is increasing of these relationships that become catastrophic. Now, it's interesting to me that we, have, we all have this view, right? We all have this this idea in our mind, we have it from childhood, you know, the, the, the Prince Charming and the, you know, the getting married, living happily ever after and everything. We have it all lined up as to how all of this is going to happen. And then we hit adolescence and it becomes a nightmare, right? Because we find out that it's nothing like the movies make it out to be. It's nothing like Hallmark cards make it out to be. And in fact, it is a challenge and we learn quickly that these relationships can be very challenging and uh, uh, really, frankly, um, very complicated. And, and yet the scripture helps us to understand how to keep our relationships in a way that we can avoid catastrophe. I think we ought to know that. I think not only does this crowd need to know that, younger crowds need to know that. I mean, honestly, in fact, as a matter of fact, one thing I'm excited about this series is we'll be, do, we'll be doing these messages during CO2, our Wednesday night youth um, uh, meetings. And so I'm very excited about that. I want teenagers in the room to listen very carefully because you're not excluded. In fact, you're very much a target of what we're talking about here in the coming month. And by the way, those of you who are not teenagers, don't think this is just a teenage thing, right? As a matter of fact, it goes all the way into adulthood and even senior adults are still trying to figure out the relationship thing. And so for the next weeks, we're going to be, well, I got one amen. I hope more before the day is over. <clears throat> I knew there was either going to be a lot of amens or oh me's. I didn't know which one, but only you can decide that. But we're going to be talking about these relationships for the entire month of February and coming at them from various angles, and I hope it'll be very helpful to you. It's not just a teenage thing. As a matter of fact, we found a quote, actually it was from a devotional that we were kind of working through uh, in conjunction with this series. I like to do that. I like to take some time with my devotions to work to work through something that's, that we're talking about and teaching about. And so one of those revealed a young lady, 23-year-old by the name of Chelsea. Chelsea made this comment. I want to read it to you. I thought it was so interesting. She said, 
It's so hard to know what's right anymore when it comes to romantic relationships. The culture around me is throwing its view on me every day, and I'm not sure what to think anymore. Truer words have not been spoken. Chelsea nailed it, and that's why I wanted to address it this morning. So many times, culture around us is dictating our view of relationships, and because culture often lies to us, in order to make a little bit of money for somebody, honestly, or in order to promote me, that our relationships may well wind up in catastrophe. Now, the truth of the matter is, I don't know if you've thought about it, but one thing we want to talk about today is this. One problem with relationships and one thing that leads to catastrophe is we are moving at such a fast pace. Isn't it amazing the pace of our world today? Does it tire anybody else out? I mean, I can be worn out and never get out of the chair anymore, right? Between computer games and between things on my computer and between checking my phone for this or checking my phone for that. I almost feel guilty if I don't check my phone three times a day for text messages. And, 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 and you know, and, and then there's Messenger and I forget to check that. And there's just so much out there that's available. Did you know that internet is moving so quickly that we are doubling our, our opportunity to, to achieve new knowledge just in a week's time. I mean, it's amazing. And it all leads us to a fast pace, what we've been called, or what we call a microwave society. That is, we want everything now, we want things to happen quickly, quickly, quickly. I mean, now, I don't even have to punch in what I want on my, my internet, right? I can just say, hey, Siri. And Siri's right there. Now, I've never met Siri. But I like her. I mean, I really do, because she can find things like quick. But here's the problem. All of that has translated into our relationships as well. And unfortunately, we progress so quickly in relationships that many of them end in catastrophe. I, I read this week a, 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 um, a synopsis by a group of marriage counselors. It was actually written some time ago, I think in the 90s, but don't, don't let the date scare you away because the content is very good. In fact, they developed a chart, and I wanted to share that chart with you because this chart kind of talks about how relationships develop emotionally, right? Or in, in the area of vulnerability. You do know, don't you, that as we develop emotionally, we increase the amount of vulnerability in the relationship, right? I mean, the more you communicate, the more you make yourself, um, uh, um, your emotions out there, the more chance of being hurt. Well, watch this chart and see how it has escalated and see how these levels move. Level one, in their chart was greetings and casual conversations. In other words, hey, how are you? You know, what school do you go to? You know, what do you do for a living? Yeah, things that are pretty casual, pretty easy conversations, not much vulnerability there, no big deal, until you move to level two, where you start to talk about some basic information, maybe information about, you know, um, you know, are you married? Are you not? Do you have kids? Do you not? You know, do you want to get married? Or a little bit deeper conversation. Level three, ideas, judgment, hopes, dreams, fears, values. In other words, when you begin to talk about things like ideas, sharing ideas of values in life. What are my values? What are the things I value? What are the things you value? Fears. What are you afraid of? When we start to talk to that to other people, our level of vulnerability increases, right? Can you see it? It's just building. And then level four, when you start talking about feelings and emotions, 
Now you're really letting yourself up there. You're really getting that vulnerability uh, level up higher. And then finally, level five, they call spiritual matters, where you start talking about spiritual things. And spiritual things are important. No matter what your spiritual beliefs are, they're very important. Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian or whether you're Islamic or non or whatever it might be, when you start talking about those spiritual matters, you're talking about deep matters and the levels of vulnerability increase. And, and if you're not careful with each step, there is another possibility of a catastrophic event in your life. Well, here's the problem. I can think back as a personal example. I'm, I'm really kind of going to do my best not to use personal examples in this series. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I know this is incredibly hard to believe. I don't look that old. But we've been married. My wife and I have been married 43 years, okay? So when we talk about some of these things, I go back and I think about our relationship. And I'm thinking, go back to that chart just a minute, Jake, if you will. I'm thinking, the thing with, as I look at how we progressed on that chart, I realize that we progressed pretty slowly. Brother Hardy, you're shaking your head, right? We, we progress pretty slowly. The problem is today, we can zip through those in two weeks. The problem is today with relationships today, two people can meet, fall in love. I hope I get a chance, we get a chance to talk about what that means, by the way. Couples meet, fall in love, Share deep emotional attachments such as these. Experience intimacy together. Have hardships. Fall out of love. All within a two-week time slot. I know you don't believe that. But I heard recently from, I don't say heard in rumor ways, I know it to be true. A 14-year-old young man, 14 years old, who got involved in a relationship with another 14-year-old girl. And when he broke off the relationship, his, the 14-year-old girl's best friend threatened to take his life, to kill him. Her reason was because he had hurt her friend so deeply when he broke off the relationship that she threatened to take his life. They had been together one week. One week. Are you saying, that's extreme, Pastor Eddie? No, no, no. The ones who think that's extreme are the gray hairs in the room. <laughs> I know our younger people understand it. And they see it. And so it's an incredibly important problem that we have to address. If we're comfortable with it, fine. If we're uncomfortable with it, okay. But it needs to be addressed. We need help. We need help because we really believe romantic relationships are complicated. But they don't have to be. They're complicated, but they don't have to be. And we have help. Now, here's the thing. You might think, you may be thinking, you mean the Bible has something to say about this? Absolutely it does. And we're going to go to a source that is going to be so exciting in the next four weeks. But I'm going to tell you what, I got to tell you, frankly, it's one of the hard books for me to work through. Because I'm telling you, it just kind of lays it out there. Okay? The book is called, the book, it's an Old Testament book. It's part of the Hebrew Scriptures. And it's called The Song of the Songs. 
or better known as the Song of Solomon. Now, here's the thing about the Song of Solomon. It's an exciting poem, song poem, because it is a, a love poem, a love song between Solomon and his fiancée. Now, I don't know what, rom- what, what kind of romantic Hallmark cards you guys are thinking about for Valentine's Day, but I'm telling you, if you could somehow put the Song of Solomon together, it might be worthwhile as a pretty good card. So are y'all willing to let's look through it? Now, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to walk through it, and you got to be ready to expect the unexpected a little bit here, okay? Song of Solomon. Go ahead and find it if you have a copy of the Bible. If not, it'll be on the screen, and you can follow along, or on your tablet, your phone, or however you carry your scripture around with you. Song of Solomon, <clears throat> beginning chapter 1. I'm just going to read six verses this morning because I think that's about all we can handle. All right, six verses to start with, and then we'll move on from there. Song of Solomon Chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1. Now, here's what it says. I'm going to read these six verses, and then we'll come back and unpack it a little bit. Because when it's done, you're going to say, what just happened? Okay, here we go. The song of songs, which is Solomon's, oh, that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your caresses are more delightful than wine. The fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. You see what I'm saying? I told you, didn't I? This is only the second verse. Your name is perfume poured out. No wonder young women adore you. (laughs) Take me with you. Let's hurry. Oh, that the king would bring me to his chambers. We will rejoice and be glad in you. We will celebrate your caresses more than wine. It's only right that they adore you. Daughters of Jerusalem, I am dark like the tents of Kedar, yet lovely like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, for the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me take care of the vineyards. I have not taken care of my own vineyard. All right, I think that's enough for starters. Let's go back and walk through those verses and let's see this love song. The Song of the Songs, or the, we call it the Song of Solomon. Now, here's, let me tell you what, the, here's a good way to understand the Song of Solomon. It's a love song between Solomon, as I said, the king, and his fiancée, the woman, <clears throat> okay? And there's included in here a group of young women who are friends of the bridesmaid, or, or the bride, I guess I should say, right? So that's the setting. I, I can tell you're confused, so look at it this way. All right. I know we're in country music land here. <clears throat> okay, um, let, let's think of Faith Hill, right? And, and Tim, is it Tim? Tim McGraw, her husband, right? Faith and Tim. And, and Faith and Tim, <clears throat> maybe one of the most famous musical couples, if you don't know who they are, sorry, but this is Swanee County and we're country here. I think you know this. I know I could use Lady Gaga. I, I know, but let's stay with Tim and Faith. So you got Tim and Faith and they're on stage with the lights and the smoke and everything happening. And Tim and Faith are singing this love song to each other. You've seen that on TV, right? And then you have the backup singers who are over here on the side and they're just there to add a little bit to the song. Faith sings a little bit, Tim sings a little bit, the backup singers get in there. That's what's happening in this book. Now, our interpreters, our, our, our translators have done us the favor of adding that in there. In other words, if you were seeing as I was noticing along, you might see where it was in parentheses, woman, man, 
women. What they've done is they've added for us who's speaking at this time. It, sometimes it's Faith, sometimes it's Tim, sometimes it's the backup singers, okay? Sometimes it's Solomon, sometimes it's the Shunammite woman, and sometimes it's her friends, her collective friends, her bridesmaids, or whomever they may be. All right, so you got the picture? All three of those voices are going to enter in. So that'll help you to kind of make sense of what's happening and what's going on. They move throughout, but they teach us some valuable lessons about relationships. I think relationships in general, but in particular, romantic relationships we're talking about. So let's take a look. The first thing I want you to see is that romantic relationships usually begin with some kind of attraction, right? Look at verse 2. Verse 2, I think, says it pretty well. He says, this is the woman speaking. See, that's woman. That's what that means. This is faith, right? Okay. Oh, that he would kiss me with, his kiss, with the kisses of his mouth, for your caresses are more delightful than wine. Okay, I'm glad they stopped there because the point is they are very attracted to each other. There is an attraction here that is so clear, so spot on that you can't miss it. And as a matter of fact, there is a physical attraction that's being talked about in this particular case. Now it's going to move from that, but it begins with that physical attraction. I think there's an important message here, and can I just go ahead and say it? It's all right to have an attraction. It's okay. It's, it's, I, I, remember, here's the thing that's different about Song of Solomon. Here's the di thing different about the Song of Songs from Solomon, about Solomon and his fiance. Here's the thing that's different than Faith and Tim. Solomon's song, God decided to keep around and put in his book. And I believe divinely inspired. And so here what we're looking at are some things that will teach us spiritually as well as intellectually or emotionally. And so I think it's telling us, first of all, it's okay. It's okay for that attraction. In fact, even if you could read the Hebrew, even when Adam and Eve were first created in the garden, it's interesting to me that when Adam, the, remember how Eve was created from his rib, and when Adam woke up, he had been searching all over for a companion, a partner, and when Adam woke up and saw Eve in Hebrew, here's the idea. Wow! That's the one. That's literally what he was saying. Why? Because there was an attraction there, a natural attraction, and it was okay. So I want you to see that it's okay. But here's the problem. The problem is when we take that attraction and begin to obsess with it, it becomes a problem. Attraction obsessed becomes a God. And it's a God that will never satisfy Attraction left to itself takes everything way too fast and increases the chance of moving into this catastrophic relationship. But I think it's important to see it. Attraction is okay. Second thing I want you to see, and this may surprise you, but I really think it's going to teach us this, and that is this. Be physically attractive. It's okay to be physically attractive. In fact, sometimes we ought to work on it a little bit. Come on. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but you're mighty brave. Uh, that was a man speaking, and uh, I'm just very brave. <laughs> it's okay to work at it a little bit. Look at verse 3. The fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Now, that tells us that 
Solomon worked at it a little bit. And just a note for the guys, sometimes a little cologne may not help you. I mean, may not hurt you, I should say. You know, a shower probably is a good thing every now and then. You know, ladies, it's okay to make yourself attractive to your spouse. I think he's saying that. But I want to quickly add, while being attractive and working at being attractive is okay, don't buy the lie of our culture. So, well, what's the lie of the culture? The lie of the culture says that that is all that's important. The lie of the culture says if you're not beautifully attractive, you don't stand a chance. Not true. The lie says You've got to be a Barbie doll, look-alike. I mean, you don't stand a chance at a solid relationship. Don't buy the lie. Don't get so deep. Understand that it does matter what we look like, but don't buy the lie. But that's all that matters. It does matter, though. And so I want to be, just be cautious here and say, by the way, you know, be careful that you keep that idea within certain boundaries. Which brings me to the third thing I want to say. Relationships get complicated when there are no boundaries. Relationships. This is true in every relationship, but I'm, remember, I'm zeroing in right now on romantic relationships, but it's true of any relationship. This can be true of a friend. It can be true with anything. Listen, relationships get complicated when there are no boundaries. We've got to learn boundaries. Look at, let me just read on. Look what he says. He says, verse three, verse two, <clears throat> three, you know, the fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Your name is perfume poured out. No wonder young women adore you. Take me with you. Let's hurry. Oh, that the king would bring me to his chambers. We will rejoice. Then the young women say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll rejoice. We'll be glad to hear you. We'll be glad in you. We'll celebrate your caresses more with wine. We'll, in other words, yeah, you're doing the right thing, girl. We're with you. We're behind you. You're great. Da, da, da. And then the woman says, it's only right that they adore you. Talking to the man. Hold on. There are all kinds of red flags there. You see, there's boundaries that have to enter into these relationships. Yes, attraction is okay. Yes, we need to work to be attractive to our spouse. But watch out. There has to be boundaries because when the boundaries are not present, complications arise in all that I've said. Because when attractiveness is kept out of the boundaries, it becomes a God that we chase after. That'll never satisfy. If we are only concerned about our attractiveness and making myself more attractive and buy into the lie of culture, I'm setting myself up for all kinds of problems. It has to be within, within a certain boundary. Notice what he says. Let me say it again. He says in verse 3, you're, you're, the fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. They're beginning to build this up. No wonder young women adore you. Everybody out there thinks you're the most handsome thing in the world. You're a hunk. To which I say a hunk of what? You know. 
Oh, that the king would bring me to his chambers. What? Wait a minute. They're not married yet. They're betrothed. There needs to be boundaries. Right? Without the boundaries, it gets a bit complicated. And so, I think we need to see boundaries. One of the messages we'll do at the end is going to be strictly on boundaries. Just some boundaries that we can talk about, boundaries that you can talk about, but there needs to be boundaries or else there are complications. Let me get to the last one. I think this is pretty important. Another thing I think we need to see is that beauty, I can't say it any other way than it's been said, beauty is more than skin deep. Beauty is more than skin deep. Look at what he says in verse 5. Or she says, I'm sorry, in verse 5. This is the woman talking. She says, daughters of Jerusalem, I am dark like the tents of Kedar. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Yet lovely like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm dark. Now, what in the world is she talking about there? This is so critical. This is part of that don't buy into the lie thing. Why is she dark? She's dark. She tells us. In fact, let me just go ahead and read it. She tells us, do not stare at me because I am dark. Verse 6, for the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me take care of the vineyard. Now watch this. In the culture, in the culture of that day, fair skin, light skin was a beauty. Um, what sort of I'm looking for? Uh, it, was a, it was a help. It was, it was some advantage. It was a beauty advantage. Fair skin, light skin. Why? Because fair skin, light skinned women were were very wealthy. They didn't have to go out and work the land. They didn't have to till the soil. They just stayed in and, you know, had the the, the comfort of that that place and that environment. But <clears throat> those who were not had to what? Work the fields. And when they worked the fields, they were in the sun. And when they were in the sun, what happened? Their skin would get darkened by the sun and what? Wrinkled, leathered, tough. That's the idea, okay? It doesn't have to do with the, don't don't get confused with the complexion part of it thing. The idea is that she doesn't have all the beauty aids. She doesn't have all the beauty tips that the other women have. She's had to work hard. And as a hard worker, her skin is now leathered and tough and and, 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 and less attractive, according to whom? According to the culture. And so she says, don't stare at me because I'm dark. Why were they staring? <laughs> because of the culture. The culture says if you're dark, if you're leathered, you're not going to be as beautiful as the one who's had all the oils and all the refineries and all the niceties of life. She says, wait a minute, beauty goes deeper than the skin. Don't stare at me. I'm not going to buy that lie. And I know that Solomon, the king, can love me, watch this, just like I am. Why is that so key? I think it's very key. Because here's the issue. The issue is today, many people are telling you lies about who you are and how God made you and how he messed up because your nose, he got way too big or because your ears don't flop the way you think they ought to flop. 
or because your biceps aren't as big as the guys next to you. Or because your hair is not as flowing as the girls across from you. Our culture says you've got to list this, this, and this. And I'm telling you, listen, this woman says, don't laugh at me. Don't stare at me. Because Solomon is looking deeper. I want to say so much to our young ladies, to our young men. Don't buy the lie of the culture. Don't buy the lie that you have to become something that you're not. The sun has gazed on me. I don't have all the aids and the beauty that everybody else has. But I have a heart. And then she says something I think is very interesting. Look all the way back to verse 3. And let me put it a different way. She says, the fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Watch this. And then she adds... Your name is perfume poured out. Now, why, what does that mean, your name? Watch this. In the Hebrew mind, in the Hebrew context, a name represents character, right? In fact, often children were not named immediately. They were named later on in life because they wanted to see their development, wanted to see what character traits they developed or it might tell what they were going to do. Remember Jacob and Esau? Jacob, the deceiver, remember? That's his name. Here's the thing. It's character. Character. He says, your character is perfume poured out. It's so much more than skin deep. I know, that's a, I know that's something that's been just said and said and said. And, you know, like, I know, we've always heard that. We always, no, but watch this. It's true. It's what she's saying here. It's your character that is attractive. It's your character that's beautiful. It does really go deeper than skin and even outward appearance. Why do we so fixate on the outside and fail to look on the inside? Why do we so fixate on the physical to the point that we can't see a deeper beauty that lies available? He says, it really is. It's okay to be attracted physically. That's okay. It's part of the way God built us. But you've got to keep that within boundaries, and you've got to understand that while we continue to work on that, it's okay. But don't let that become your God. Don't let that become your obsession. Don't let that become everything that you live and breathe and do. No, no. Understand that beauty goes so far beyond that, it goes deep, deep, deep into character. Sir, your character matters. Ma'am, your character matters. And I think we should, that's a good place for an Amen especially if you're sitting by your spouse. <laughs> you know, I think about my beautiful wife, who I think is beautifully outward, beautiful outwardly. Her outward beauty stuns me after 43 years. But I'm telling you, it's her heart that melts me. It's her character that melts me. I thought I loved her so greatly. I'm going to tell you guys that she's not here. She'll be here at the second service. I don't know if I'll repeat it. But I look at her, and I've always thought she was beautiful. But I've looked at her in the last six months and seen a beauty I never saw before. Because for six months, she's been taking care 
of her mother with dementia. And I see a patience that I've never seen in people. I don't see it every day. I've seen a faithfulness and a love for her mother and an honor for her mother that goes so much deeper than I even knew was there before. And I see her character as she gently takes care of her mother who is quickly losing memory of who she even is, who has admitted to her, I know you've told me, but I don't remember you being my daughter. That's character. And that goes so far beyond any beauty she might portray outwardly. I'm telling you, character matters. And by the way, teenagers, character matters to you. You don't have to wait until your mom gets dementia. <laughs> character matters. Build the character. Well, I've got to stop, so let me just give you a takeaway that I think is pretty important. And, and let me just say this, and one other thought or two, and I'll close. Obsession. Remember, obsession with attraction is masking a problem that's more than skin deep. If you are obsessing about your attraction, your attractiveness, it is masking a problem that's more than skin deep. Now, somebody I just made mad. But because I love you, I'm willing to take that chance. And you need to hear it. And you pray for me, will you, as we share that Wednesday night to a room full of students? Because they need to hear that. There may be a problem that's more than skin deep. Here's the good news. That problem, like all problems, is not unsolvable. What we must do is take the focus off of me and put the focus on Christ. Because see, he is the true beauty. And in the Hebrew mind, into our minds today, the Song of Solomon is chiefly about Jesus, the groom, and us, the bride. And how when we look at Jesus, we see great beauty, one to be desired, one to be chased after, one to have and to hold, one to care for us and love us and protect us and save us and rescue us. And so you see the real focus is Jesus. And when we focus on him, that is where we find fulfillment. And then he trickles down many, many other blessings in our hearts and lives. Don't lose the focus. And obsessively focusing on attractiveness because that's what the culture says is so important, will never fulfill. But focusing on the beauty of Jesus, chasing hard after him, and letting him fill you with himself, creates something that is more attractive and beautiful than anything outward beauty can ever give you. Y'all okay? I survived. Did you? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this time together. Lord, we do know and understand what an important topic this is. 
So God, would you speak to our hearts? I pray to our hearts individually, God. Every one of us. That Lord, we would be true to focus on you and not buy the lie that we're often told. I know, God, how our culture bombards us in this area. So, Lord, help us to focus on you, realizing that it's okay, it's permissible to be attractive and to make ourselves attractive. But it's a problem when we obsess with it and leave boundaries completely out of the picture. So, God, we thank you for your love and for your grace. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.